We've been doing uh, just a series called Prayers from the Upper Room. It's from Acts chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 17 and 18. This is why I know that declaration is biblical. It says, in the last days, God says. Not in the last days, a prophet says. Not in the last days, it's our opinion that. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters, they will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. On my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days for they will prophesy. That's you. That's me. That's all of us. Has any of you got the season wrong with your clothing? Sometimes have you wrapped up and then it's really hot outside and you're just sweltering. You know, one time when I was in college, uh, I used to have a duffel coat. Does anybody know what a duffel coat is? You know, so those old kind of camel hair things and it had like buttons that were like, you know, shark's teeth all the way down, you know. Well, one time, I, I told you this morning that I was the uh, leader of the Christian Union. I jumped over some chairs and split my trousers. I mean, not just a little rip, but a complete gaping split of my trousers. And, the, and I had to then sit in college on a hot day with my duffel coat on to cover up my modesty. And everybody was saying, why don't you take your coat off? Why don't you get, you know. And I came in, sat down, and took my coat off, so it was on the chair. Then when I, when I wanted to stand up, I put it on before I stood up. But I was just hot. Have you ever been on the tube where it's really cold outside and you get on the tube and it's, it's so warm and you think, oh man, it's so hot. You know, as Christians... Sometimes we are serving as if we're in one season and God's moved the season on. We're wearing the wrong clothes. We're doing the routine of, oh, it's been cold. Now, it's cold uh, tonight, but March is coming. Spring is coming. And the weather will change for two days. (laughs) But... Do you ever notice that when, when uh, God speaks to Samuel about David being the king, and he says, how long will you mourn for Saul? Like, it's almost like God's saying, I've already moved on. It's not that I didn't love Saul. It's not that I didn't value all of that. It's not that I didn't do something there. The season's changed. Here in the, in the day of Pentecost, Peter says, let me announce to you, In the last days. Peter announces the season changes. This is the era of the spirit. Things have changed. Now, we may have similar behaviors, and it might take you a while to get used to this, but Peter announces a change of season, and he actually announces in the last days. Now, for some of us, 
we think to ourselves, oh, that was such a long time ago. It can't be the last days. He's not just talking about the last few days of, uh, before Jesus comes back. He is announcing a new season and a shift away from what was. The era of the Spirit had come and the shift from the central place of the temple where God's Spirit dwells to the temple of your hearts where God dwells. And God wants to fill your life, fill your heart with his spirit. But when Peter says, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit, he's also not just announcing a change of season and a change of era and a change of the way that God wants to relate to them. He's also announcing that in the last days, it actually means it's time for you to seek the Lord. Because I'm pouring out my spirit. And so it's not the time now to get your sacrifice ready and and go and do some ceremonies. The time now is for you to hear what God is saying to you right where you live. Now, for us, that seems like an old message. In those days, Peter was announcing a new season. I want to challenge you with something. And can I do it gently and kindly If God wanted to announce a new season in your life, how long would it take you to catch up? How long would it take you to act differently? How much of your Christianity is routine? Because God wants to begin to drop into your heart and into your life revelation. I want to talk about walking in the prophetic a little bit tonight. We need revelation and we need principles. We need two things operating in our lives. We live by principles. We live by good habits and we live by the principles that God has put into his word. But we progress by revelation by what God drops into our hearts and minds. And it may be a scripture. Now listen, it's really important you catch this. We live by principles and we progress by revelation. All those principles coming to life almost. Now, how many of you know the scripture that Corinne read earlier? Can you remember what what psalm it was? Psalm 19. Corinne has had no look at my notes, but look at this, what it says in Psalm 19. I love it when the Holy Spirit weaves the, you know, the uh, service together, don't you? Psalm 19, verse 8 says this, The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. You have to put lots of the principles of the Bible in, well, all of the principles of the Bible into your life and live by them. That's how you stay healthy. That's how you stay uh, on track. But principles keep us healthy. Revelation keeps us hearing. And we've got to be open to that prophetic revelation. Principles keep us healthy. Revelation keeps us hearing. I talked about it this morning, but Proverbs 28 verse 9 says, where there's no revelation, people cast off restraint. Where there's no revelation, people don't have boundaries. We often think of the prophetic as stepping us beyond boundaries or stepping out, but actually the prophetic says, oh, don't go there, go there, 
This is the boundary I'm making for you. This is the pathway that I'm uh, showing you. Proverbs 28, 19, where there's no revelation, people cast off restraint. You might have heard it, where there's no vision, people perish. But the blessed is the one who heeds wisdom and instruction. This is how it works. You fill your life with wisdom and instruction, you live by that. And then God begins to drop in revelation of how you can apply that and take you in the right direction. And the two work side by side. Have you ever met those principal Christians? Oh, everything's very right. Oh, they can tell you three steps of how to do everything. They've memorized Bible verses and that's it, but there's no life about it. There's no kind of sense of, well, you know, there's no God in it. Have you ever met the Revelation Christians? You know, they say, oh, God, what color shall I wear today? Oh, I see blue, I see blue. Yeah, I'll put my blue shirt on. And there's no sense of ordinariness in their lives. I always think with the, with the revelation people, can't you just pray about, like, you know, the lottery numbers or something and give the church a big offering? No, I don't really mean that, I promise you. But you've got to have both. You've got to earth yourself in the principles of God. And then, God, and then you've got to ask God for revelation. There is a, the, some people are scared of God's revelation. Oh, don't say anything to me, God. Don't get too funny with me, Lord. Let me just live a quiet life. And there are some people who are not disciplined enough to, to ever, they just want the revelation. They don't want to do any study. But they go hand in hand, step by step. Principles, revelation. Principles, revelation. And so if you're going to walk in the prophetic, how's your study? If you're going to study, how's your openness? You see, when Peter said, your sons and your daughters will prophesy, I'll pour out my spirit on both men and women and on servants, every age, every gender, every category, it just means that everybody can get a revelation. Your personality, whatever it is, your status, you're not too thick to hear God. You're not. Now, it's, I went to a type of school where, you know, teachers have changed, and I went to the really old-fashioned school. In fact, I went to school. They still gave us the cane. Do you know what that is? They beat us with sticks. I mean, today you'd just be going, oh, man, it'd be in the news. It'd be everywhere. I've been beaten so many times with sticks. And some of you are looking at me and saying, you should be beaten more, you know, but... But they would call you names. Oh, you, thicko, all the rest of it. And those labels stuck, and that's why it's important that you don't listen to the labels that authority figures have placed on you that hold you down, that you actually listen to what the Word of God says about you, that you begin to break out from those labels. And, you know, if your parents have called you stupid often enough, you believe it. Begin to rip that out of your thinking, but... Here, God says, if you're a boy, if you're a girl, if you're a man, if you're a woman, if you're a servant, whatever you are, I can pour out my spirit on you. Now, every single person in this room, if you'll come close to God, he wants to pour his spirit into your life. 
You see, principles of God speaking, you can't really separate visions and dreams. It, it, and in fact, uh, in the Bible, it's often used vision dream and dream vision. But when, when God gives people dreams, it's not about old men dreaming dreams and young men only see visions. That there's an age difference. God's just saying, I'm going to pour out my spirit and I'm going to give revelation to absolutely everyone. Young men have dreams and, and old men will see visions. In the Bible, when you see it, it's always the fact that God wants to speak. But here's a principle that perhaps you can learn. When God speaks and gives you a dream, it's usually simple and singular and clear. Now, some people, they'll come to me and they'll tell me, oh, Lord, God gave me this long dream. And then they'll go into a long, winding story. And then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. Last week, uh, someone came to me and said, I had a dream that uh, Pastor Mark, I had to go and visit a hospital and then report to you. And then I woke up. And it was on the very day that Janice was recruiting for people to become part of our visitation team. It was a single thing. She said, I saw you, Pastor Mark. You asked me to go to hospital. I came back and reported to you. I said, go over there and sign up for our visitation team. That's what God is saying. It's often a singular thing. Now, let me just give you, uh, I want to give you practical wisdom tonight. When you see dreams in the Bible, they are often singular things. Look back at Joseph's dreams. Joseph had a vision stroke dream about his brothers bowing down to him. Then he had a, a dream about uh, heads of corn bowing down to him. And then when you hear about Joseph's dream, he had a dream about seven cows eating other seven cows. Then he had uh, seven stalks of corn eating other uh, stalks of corn. It was a simple, singular thing. A dream of Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel 4, dream vision it was, actually, was a simple dream about him uh, and his kingdom coming to an end. So tonight... Can I ask you to hear something about how to re receive revelation? God will often give you strong, singular thoughts that are not confusing. In fact, have you ever heard this phrase? God is not the author of confusion. So if you come and you say, you know, I've had this really long dream. It's like an epic film. There's so many characters in it and everything. You know what that is? That's cheese. Dreams that God gives are clear, singular, and simple. Can you receive that as a kind of, kind of principle for you so that you're not getting confused? We really can't separate the dreams and visions, although sometimes dreams are more symbolic of a present situation, but that's not exclusive, but they're often short and simple. When we think about visions, visions are often future forward, and what visions do is provoke faith. Uh, visions are not there to terrify you. Visions are there to provoke you to be able to bring you forward in faith. To be able to say, God's calling me to something. 
Now, I'm not, uh, never, I've only seen a couple of visions in my life, but every one of them uh, provoked me forward in faith. Nebuchadnezzar, when he had his visions, it was terrifying for him, but it became that he had to humble himself and change who he was. You know, it's really important that when you receive a vision from God, that it doesn't go to your head in the sense of making you proud. Have you ever read the story in Daniel where Nebuchadnezzar makes a, a strong, um, a big statue of gold? Have you ever read that? And that everybody had to bow down to the statue of gold. And it was only Daniel who said, I'm not doing that. And his four friends and then came into the, the fire because he didn't, he, they, they didn't bow down to it. Do you remember that story? If those of you don't know the story, uh, let me tell you a little bit of background. There was, Daniel had more complicated visions. And one of the visions was that there were going to be several kingdoms after Nebuchadnezzar. Do you remember this bit? Okay, and it starts with a golden head on the statue, and then is a is it a different metal? I think it's silver, and then it becomes bronze, and then it becomes clay feet. Do you, do you remember that? And that the legs divide, and you know people are into prophecy. You know that's the Medes and that's the Persians, and oh, that's really great. And uh, why do you think? Nebuchadnezzar built a gold statue. Because in the vision that Daniel taught him, he was the gold head. And it went to his head. If God ever gives you a vision, it's so that you can serve him, so you can serve people, not so that you can be somebody who is to be lifted up in an inappropriate way. Let me teach you something about visions. Visions are not there to make you something that you're not. Visions are there to provoke you towards faith and service. So if you say, God, give him a vision for my life, he's going to provoke you through your life being a life of service. Do you remember Paul, the apostle? It says that he was caught up into a third heaven and he was caught up with visions, almost too express, inexpressible to, to be able to uh, detail out. And then it says, and the Lord gave me a thorn in my flesh so that I didn't become too puffed up. You see, when we operate in and out the spiritual, it becomes so wonderful that our, our weakness sometimes makes it something it's not supposed to be. So this is what I'm teaching tonight. Everybody can have revelation. But when, it, when you have a revelation, make sure that you keep your heart close to God because when God gives you a revelation, it's going to be about you seeking and serving can you receive that? It's really important. For those of us who want prophecy and walking in the prophetic, let's give the principles of being somebody who can walk in prophetic. Dreams, simple and clear. Visions, 
future forward and provoke you to faith and service. Come on, hold your hands out and say, come on, God, I want it. I want it. I want a vision over my life, but it's going to provoke you to service. Prophecy is this, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their, come on, say it with me, strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Oh, not thou art terrible and God is going to judge thee. In fact, I'm not sure God speaks in King James language anymore, by the way. Thus saith the Lord was for another era. I don't know whether God speaks in Shakespearean language. I think the Lord wants to speak to you in how you can understand him. But that's a side point. Strengthening. When you prophesy, you prophesy strength into people. When you prophesy, you prophesy encouragement. And that may be encouragement to serve the Lord. It may be a correction to serve the Lord. It may be a a sense of encouragement to do what's right in God. And then we prophesy comfort. Now, comfort comes from the Greek word parakaleo or parakletos. Has anybody ever heard the, uh, that we have a paraclete or uh, another comforter to help us? In fact, when we prophesy, we prophesy Holy Spiritness into people, comfort into people. So if you want to prophesy, you have to say, Lord, what can I deposit of your spirit into this person's life? Not what's the clever thing that I can say. It's what what can I deposit into their lives that provokes them to hear your spirit even more. Now today, I've been kind of seminaring rather than sermoning. And I'm sorry if it kind of comes across as a seminar. But what I want to say to you is this. And I'm going to come into land. Everybody in this room can be filled with the Holy Spirit. There is a new season now. I believe there's actually a new season blowing in our world. And, and some of us are really great Pentecostals, and we know how we want it. But actually, God says, I'm going to give it you the way I want it. I've prayed for revival for a long time, have you? You know, send a revival in our nation. What if God said, okay, I'm sending you a revival, and you go, oh, not like that, Lord. I think we should pray for revival and say, Lord, however you want to do it is how we, how we want it. Don't you? Come on, who's with me tonight, church, yeah? I just think we should pray for revival and say, God, send it how you want it. Not how we think it should happen. I, I went to Pensacola and the Brownsville revival. I tell you what, it was the scariest thing I've ever been in, but it was a great thing. It was people running to the altar and it was like, you know, uh, Steve Hill would, every, at the end of every sermon, he, uh, he would have the mercy seat song, Run to the Mercy Street. Man, you know, there were people hiding in the toilets, and they get saved in the toilets and have to run out, you know, and, and come and get saved. And that was a dramatic thing. And there's lots of people stuck in Pensacola saying, Oh, I want it like that, Lord. I'm not sure. Maybe God's doing something else. Do you remember Toronto? Were you, do you have any of that around here? 
where people, you know, that was a joy revival, where people laughed and they sobbed and it was like a renewal. And there are some people stuck in 1994 because they think, well, that's what it's going to be like. I want a revival the way God wants to send it this time. Amen? And I know that, you know, some people, are, they're stuck in that, but I would say the era's changed and the Spirit's coming. And let's, you know, we've got good precepts, we've got good principles, we eat healthy diet of the Lord and His Word, and, and you know, the way God speaks to you is the way God speaks to you, but just encourage you, I want to encourage you, let the wave of the Spirit come the way that He wants to bring it. God wants to bring His Holy Spirit on every single person in this room and everybody watching online. God wants to move in a way that He wants to move. And he's going to give you dreams. He's going to speak to you in unusual ways. And they'll be clear and simple. And they won't be unaccountable. Do you remember the dream that I shared with you? The lady came to me and said, Pastor Mark, you were in my dream. That always worries me. Because I don't want you to dream about me. That might become a nightmare. But do you see what she did? She said, Pastor Mark, I dreamt that I went to a hospital and came back and reported to you on the very day that Janice is recruiting for our pastoral team. Dreams don't take you off into your own world. Daniel, who had incredible visions, was a man who was able to walk in wisdom and accountability. God's going to speak to you and he's going to allow you to prophesy. And he's going to allow you to speak strength into people, comfort into people, and encouragement into people. People say to me, Pastor Mark, you're so encouraging. That's because the word encouragement, the word comfort, comes from this sense of Holy Spiritness. You've got to speak the Spirit into people. So here's what I'm going to close with. Because I feel this is a word for some people tonight. Is that okay? Maybe you could stand with me. And if, if you're okay standing, I'm going to ask the worship team to come. But, but don't switch off right now because this is still the message. You do realize that in the New Testament, when the rabbi taught, he sat down and everybody else stood up. And we've reversed it in our time. Do you, do you remember that? I don't know whether you know that. That'd be cool, wouldn't it? I sat down. And I could preach for as long as I like, couldn't I? And you stand up. Not really. But here's the thing. Some of you are praying for direction. In fact, let's just be honest. Who's praying for direction? Would you just raise your hand? You just need some direction in your life. I'm raising my hand not because... I'm raising it for me. Okay? Wow, that's loads of us. So here's the word of the Lord. If you're looking for direction, there are two clear things that you need. Now hear the word of the Lord. Hear this in the Lord. Just put your hand over your heart. Hear it, hear it. First thing that you need is an invitation. God's dropped this in my spirit to say tonight. If you're looking for direction, you need an invitation, a clear call to do something. 
You either need an invitation from somebody, you need an invitation that's actually definite. It's an invitation. And the second thing you need, along with the invitation, is an opportunity. But behind the invitation, there is actually substance to the invitation. Have you ever been invited to something it wasn't much anyway? You know, you've invited to a party and the only thing that's there is a few hula hoops and you think, man, this isn't very good as a party. Or, you know, somebody said, oh, come and be a part of my ministry and you get there and it's rubbish. It's not really a ministry. You need opportunity, not just invitation. Some of you have had invitations that have been really disappointing and there's no substance in it. There's, no, there's nothing to it. You need both. You need opportunity that's real and not just invitation. But however, some of you can see something that needs doing. But here's the thing. You haven't been asked to do it. You haven't had the invitation to do it. You've seen the need. You can understand the need. You can appreciate the need and you think, you know what, I, sh- I could do that, but you've not been invited, so don't do it. You need invitation and opportunity, and that will be your direction. Now you need to hear it. There's so many things that some of you could do. You're talented, you're skilled but you haven't been asked to do it. I went to a conference one time and uh, I, I kind of, you know, it went through it and I said to Kathy, oh, I think I was going to give them a little bit of feedback. It's one or two things they could do better. And Kathy said to me, have you been asked to feedback? And I said, no. And she said, uninvited feedback can sometimes not go well. She's quite wise, isn't she, my wife? And so I didn't. Do you know what? I didn't say anything. And the person's called me and said, would you speak at our conference next year? Isn't that amazing? I haven't given any feedback, and now I actually get to speak at the conference and make it better. Isn't Kathy wise? Isn't the Holy Spirit got everything in his plan? Here's the point of me telling you that story. You need an invitation. Stop striving and trying to make opportunities for yourself. You need an invitation. You need an open door from the Lord. And you need an opportunity that when a door is open, that it's actually real. There's something behind it. There's some substance. There are sometimes the enemy is going to give you lots of invitations and you'll spend your life chasing things that aren't really real. You'll need to have real fruit. God is trying to create fruit in you and through you. So if you're going to receive direction. It will agree with scripture. It will produce fruit in you 
and through you and it will have a confirmation. It will have something whereby, you know what? This has been shown to come out 